Welcome to Living the Word Today, brought to you by Mount Calvary Baptist Church. We invite you to spend the next few minutes studying God's Word with your Bible teacher, Jesse Wagoner. Pastor Wagoner's desire for you is to not only understand God's truth, but to help you live it today. More resources can be found on our website, livingthewordtoday.com. Now it is time to open your heart and your Bible for your time in the Word. figure out where this is going, okay? And no matter how hard he tried with this parrot, it always said nasty, mean, insulting things. He thought, well, with some time and some care and some love, I can just get, get this parrot in a better attitude. I could just, I could just sort of re- reform this parrot. He tried everything. He tried to bribe him with treats. He tried to surround him with the things he should say. And the parrot was just mean and nasty and said all the wrong things. One day, his frustration level got to the height. He just he didn't know what to do, and he grabs the bird and stuffs it in the refrigerator and slams the door. Well, after a few minutes, he said, listen, I can't. This is awful. Why did I do this? This is unthinkable. So he goes over, and he opens the door, and the parrot's sitting there shivering, and he brings him out, and he sets him on his little perch, and he says, I'm really sorry. I, I shouldn't have done that. From that moment on, the parrot is totally reformed. It's nice. It's docile. It says only nice things. And a couple days later, he says, the parrot's saying, question, question, question. He said, what's your question? And the parrot looks at his owner and said, what did the chicken do? (laughs) Now, if I tell a story like that, I also have to say, no actual birds were harmed in the telling of this joke, okay? All right. But sometimes when we think about an attitude, that's what I want to talk to you about, an attitude adjustment, having our, our attitudes adjusted and we need to have this every day but sometimes we think of an attitude adjustment as sort of like you know like a pop in the cheek it's like some sort of big rebuke and there's times when maybe that's the kind of attitude adjustment we need something just kind of shocking and something kind of uh, kind of getting our sensibilities kind of uh, uh, in a different place but uh, in this passage as we look here in first Thessalonians chapter 5 as we can our study through this book uh, 
We're going to look at a little package of commands that he gives, basically three basic commands. And it's hard, kind of hard to know what to do with this because he begins in verse 16 with just sort of a, a list. You know, do this, do this, do this, do this, do this. Very quick, without much explanation. Uh, it sounds like, I, I mean, the Spirit of God inspired him to write this. So the outcome is what God, God wanted. But it's almost like I'm running out of parchment and I'm running out of ink and I better get this in at the end. Or maybe it was just like maybe doing it in this sort of short, brief uh, methodologies to get our attention. It's like I can remember these things. It's like a, it's like a grocery list that I can put together. So maybe that's what it is. But I've thought about these first three of this list, and this is 16, 17, and 18, of 1 Thessalonians 5. And as I've, I've meditated on it and prayed over it, I, I just think it's an attitude adjustment. Every day we should get our minds reoriented toward, toward who we are and toward the one we serve. It is so easy to get our minds in the wrong place, our hearts fastened on the wrong things, our desires headed in the wrong direction. So I want to just, they're all simple. There's nothing hard to understand about this little package. But I want us to spend some time thinking about it. I want to spend some time figuring out how indeed we can get this into our, uh, our, our real life, our everyday life. How can we be living this in, the, in today's world? So let's just read these verses together, and then we'll plow in, shall we? Rejoice, verse 16. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. In everything, give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Lord willing, next week we'll look at the second part of this package where he talks about, you know, don't, you know, don't quench the spirit prophecies and that sort of thing. That's, that's sort of the things God wants to give us. But here's the things we need to give God and get in our attention, in our hearts, and in our minds. So today I just want to talk to you an everyday attitude adjustment and how this works in our lives today. All right? So I'll just start with this idea just to kind of, to kind of give the framework of our thoughts today. But make sure to daily adjust your attitude and do this every day. And these three realities, these three commands, these three practices, these three hopefully what will become habits in our lives is going to help us to be the people God wants us to be because we focused our attitudes in the right way. And it's easy to, have you noticed, that, have you ever noticed, have you ever had a day, I might be the only one, I doubt it, I sincerely doubt it, that you just wake up one morning and you're just in a, you're just in a not a good mood? Just, I mean, you don't know why, you don't know what's going on, you don't understand what's the, the factors, but you, you know things need to change because I'm going in a direction of just, you know, being Mr. Grumpy. Or sometimes we feel very good throughout the day, and then that moment hits. That person said, what to me? You know, I heard that, I had that thought, I remembered something from long ago, and suddenly we're going the wrong direction. So this is just to push us back into this right path. So the first one is verse 16. Rejoice always. Rejoice always. Every day, rejoicing needs to be part of our mental, spiritual discipline. Now let's just talk about what rejoicing means. Rejoicing has the idea... And I'll just bring it up on the screen. We do this by seeing him in everything. Rejoicing is really, from a spiritual standpoint, is understanding that God is somehow in this mix. That God is here. God is doing something. He didn't abandon me. This is Whatever I'm dealing with did not catch him by surprise. In the most ordinary, mundane, everyday, not much different than the day before day, he's there. In the day when it's nothing is like it's ever been before. He's there. 
And it's responding in a way, and you see sort of the word joy kind of embedded in the verse. It is expressing joy. Joy is, which is expressed. Rejoicing means it comes out. Rejoicing means it's, it's, it comes in another direction from us to someone else. And that joy needs to be directed to God, that we have joy. We have this inner satisfaction that no matter what is going on, God is in the mix. God is up to something. God is, sometimes God is preventing it from being worse. Sometimes God is putting together pieces of the puzzle that maybe we're not going to know for a long time how it all fits together. He's making a mosaic of little tiny pieces to, to paint a beautiful picture of his glory and his grace and his mercy in our life. So we need to do it. So, now, it says this. This is stated as a command. Now, if you know anything about sentence structure and grammar, uh, rejoice is the verb of the sentence, right? And you also see there is no subject on the page in the sentence. This is what we call an understood subject. Your mind is supposed to supply the subject. And you understand in this sort of a context, when it's an imperative, a command, the subject of the sentence is the word you. You rejoice always. You, the reader of the text, rejoice always. You, the follower of Christ, rejoice always. You, who is a believer in, in him, you rejoice always. So we are the subject. And by the way, it is in the present tense. It's an imperative mood. This is what you need to do. Use this, you, as, you as the subject, the understood subject of the sentence. And it's in the present tense. So it means this is operational every day. And then he sticks another word on the end of the sentence just to make sure we get it. Always. Now, I also know every one of us right now should have a great deal of guilt just kind of simmering in our souls. Because what one of us rejoices every single moment in every single event, in every single circumstance, in every single encounter, in every single moment. No hands are going up in the room. However, don't let that discourage you. Don't let, the, don't let that be, well, I can't do that. If it's a command in Scripture, it is something we need to pay attention to. And if we could at least, let's, let's say we rejoice, let me be generous. Let's say we rejoice 30% of the time. That might be generous might not be generous. Let's say 30% of our time we actually rejoice. If we can move that needle up to 35 or 40% just by focusing on it, we are moving in the right direction. And it, here's the great news. Not only will that be honoring to God because he commanded it, we're doing what he says, and Jesus says, if you love me, you will keep my commands. So loving him is keeping our, his commands. So that being the case, we honor him. But also it does something for us. By the way, it'll do something for other people in your life. Would you rather be around a person that finds opportunity to rejoice in God or be around somebody that finds, it finds the clouds surrounding every single silver lining? So we understand. So it's going to do something in your relationships. It's going to do something in your heart. It's going to set you free from the tyranny that everything is bad, that everything is a downer, everything is falling apart. There's nothing I can believe in. There's no security. There's no hope. There's no help. There's no good. It's all bad. So it, it relieves us of that. It's going to bring some stress reduction in our life. So also, if it is a command, you rejoice always, present tense, then it also means that this involves a choice on our part. And this is the part we, we kind of miss. Well, I will rejoice when it feels like rejoicing. I'll rejoice when the praise team's up here and we're singing one of these great songs lifting us to the Lord. 
No, this is independent of the circumstances. It means to make a choice to rejoice in every situation in life. So, how exactly does this work? Look at the phrase you see on the screen in front of you there, where it talks about seeing him in everything. There's a song, and I just I, I copied the, the lyrics because I didn't want to get them wrong. Actually, the song is going to be sung in our traditional service after this one. But it's a song by a lady named Nancy Allen, and it's called The Hymn of Promise. And it's a beautiful reflection of just believing, choosing to believe that there's something good in the midst of the difficulties of life. Let me just read some of the, the lyrics. In the bulb there is a flower, in the seed an apple tree, in cocoons a hidden promise, butterflies will soon be free. In the cold and snow of winter there's a spring that wants to be, unrevealed until its season, something God alone can see. From the past will come the future, what it holds a mystery, unrevealed in its time, something God alone can see. Listen to this. In, in our end is our beginning, in our time, infinity. In our doubt, there is believing, in our life, eternity. In our death, a resurrection, at last, a victory. Unrevealed till its season, something God alone can see. God sees, and he knows all this is, he says in scripture, all things are to work together for good to those who love God and are called according to his purpose. Now, let's, how, about, how about an example? Let's, let's have a living example that's going to help us. And I want to draw your attention back to Acts chapter 16. By the way, Paul and, Paul and his friend Silas and probably some others had gone to a city named Philippi. And that's where the letter Philippians comes from, writing to that church that was established. And while he's in Philippi, uh, and by the way, he left Philippi and went immediately to Thessalonica, the, the church that received this letter. It's the reason it's called Thessalonians. While he is there, he is unjustly accused. He and Silas are arrested. It says they are beaten. That means they took whips and beat their bare backs. And then they put them in prison and fastened them in stocks. So probably hands and feet were kind of, you know, locked up in stocks and left there in the jail. By the way, later in that story, we find out Paul and Silas were Roman citizens. They were exempt from this kind of treatment, but they received it. It was just injustice all over the place. But then the Bible tells us that around midnight, Paul and Silas are singing hymns. If you get your back beaten or I get my back beaten, is it possible to be singing praises to God? Obviously, I know it's possible because they did it. Is it probable because of my life record? No, 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 no. But they chose to see somehow being unfairly arrested locked in stocks, not getting any sleep, backs beaten, in pain, and they're singing. It says the prisoners were listening to them, like, what is going on? We would expect moans. We would expect curses. We would expect, you know, cries of injustice, pleas to get out. But instead, they're just praising God. How did they pull that off? They knew this secret, that somehow God was in this experience of life. They didn't know. Maybe this was going to end their life. Maybe they got executed the next morning. Well, maybe this is the last chapter of life. Maybe that's what you're in. Maybe you're going to deliver us. Maybe there's someone in prison that we're going to need to have a conversation with. By the way, the last two are in the part of the story. 
I'm getting ahead of myself a little bit. But they could rejoice because they just chose to believe, no matter how unjust, no matter how difficult, no matter how painful, no matter how awful the whole situation was, they chose to believe that God is somehow in this. And somehow it's going to reveal itself. And if I could borrow the lyrics from that song, it was something that God alone could see. At about midnight, there's an earthquake. An earthquake not like a normal earthquake. Because it says, suddenly all the jail doors were opened and all the chains fell off. I don't know if that's a normal outcome of an earthquake, but that's what occurs. And everyone in the prison could just walk out if they chose. The jailer comes and sees what's happened. And he's about ready to commit suicide because if any of the people escaped on his watch, he was going to be the one tortured and so forth. So he thinks, my life's over. And Paul cries out, don't harm yourself. (laughs) We're all still here. That's probably the greatest miracle in the story, the fact that they were all still in a jail with all the doors open. And he comes and he falls down before Paul. And he says, what must I do to be saved? By the way, the greatest question you could ever ask, the greatest question you could ever pass human lips. What must I do to be saved? And Paul says it this way. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved in your household. That's what happens. The rest of the story you can read in Acts 16. When we choose to believe that God is in the mix, we can express joy in, spite, in, in, in place of whatever else we would express. And that, if I don't push the metaphor too much, but that does shake things up in our world. And other people maybe are going to be the people who hear that Jesus indeed is real because what's going on in your life and my life. Choose to do that. Now, somewhere today, it's not going to wait till tomorrow. Somewhere today, it might be a minor thing, it might be a major thing, but somewhere today, you're going to be challenged in this area of life. Choose joy because you believe God's in the mix. Now, next verse. Pray without ceasing. Don't stop praying. Always be praying. Again, we fall short of that, but let's make some progress today. Uh, I'll share three quick words, and you can think about them. I shared them online a while back, but three quick words to help us pray more than we do. Number one is routine. Pray in the routine of life. Pray when you get up. Pray when you go to bed. Pray when you eat your meals. Pray when you're driving to work. Whatever's routine. Incorporate prayer into the routine of life. Secondly, we need to we need to we have reminders along the time along the line to pray. Maybe it's sticking a post-it note on the mirror where you're getting ready in the morning. Pray. Maybe it's setting a chime on your, on your smartphone to ding some point in the day. Just say, prayer time. Maybe it's having someone in your life to remind you, we, we need to pray today. Have we prayed today? And then in our moments of reflection, when I'm thinking about life, where am I going? Where have I been? What's this mean? How am I feeling? How's this going? How's my relationships? How's my kids? How's my marriage? How's my job? How's my whatever it is in life? In those moments of reflection, Bring prayer into that mix. Your routine, your reflection, and those reminders. Maybe that'll help you a little bit. But we do this by seeking Him. When we're seeking Him, we were seeking His aid in our life, we're seeking His direction in our life, we're seeking His will in our life, we're seeking His blessing in life. And as we pray, we, we just think about this, this sort of thing. And just keep the, keep the communication open. Have you ever done this? I called someone the other day. Hopefully they didn't hear me. As I finished my conversation, put my phone in my pocket, and I realized that I never hung up. You know, just, it was just off the hook. I think they had probably put their phone away so they couldn't hear me rattling around with whatever I was doing next. But it, just, it was still open. 
Sprint was still putting my, or I guess it's, it's not Sprint anymore. I don't even know what plan I'm on anymore. It's all confusing. But, but the, you know, they were sending the signal. The, the, the channel was open. That's what we do with God. We just kind of keep the channel open. I remember even last night I was just thinking about something, and I'm just thinking I could do this or do this. And I just, I just, just as I was thinking, I don't always do this. I'm not trying to put myself up as, a, as you know, stellar in this. But I said, Lord, which of these would you want to bless? And it just became obvious. I think you want to bless me if I choose to do this right here, right now. And just that, that kind of ongoing communication. Just pray without ceasing. Pray with him in all things. And you know what? When we pray, when we really pray, when we really pray from the heart, when we really think and engage our minds in prayer, God does amazing things. How about a story? Maybe this will help you. There was a lady in the church that uh, when Julie and I spent five years pastoring in Ohio, she was raised in the church. She sort of got away from the Lord. She married a young man that she was in love with who didn't know the Lord. Uh, then she sort of had a you know, recommittal of life. She was in church. Her husband wanted nothing to do with it. And I met him more than one occasion. And he was one of these guys. And I don't, know, you probably, I don't know if you ever experienced this, but there's some people that if they know you're a pastor, it's like you've got leprosy or something. They'll just like avoid you. I don't want to be around you. I don't want to talk to you. I don't want to communicate with you. And he was polite, but it was, there was a wall, a great wall, a great gulf was fixed between us in his mind. This lady prayed for this man for 35 years to come to Christ. Actually, it was probably a little more than 35. Her husband was not kind to her, was not faithful to her, didn't share her values at all, ridiculed her faith. She somehow, in God's grace, stuck with him. I remember I got the call. She says, my husband has been diagnosed with cancer. The doctors say there's no hope. I've been trying to talk to him about the Lord, and it seems like his heart is softer, and I'm trying to get through. I don't know. Would you go and see him? Well, the problem was, because of the type of cancer he had, he could could no longer speak. He could no longer talk. I remember going into this this hospital room with all the tubes and stuff hooked up, and, and, you know, it was a bad situation. He was not going to live much longer unless something miraculous happened. And it was an interesting conversation. I tried to share the gospel with him because I just wanted to confirm. She believed he had trusted Christ, and she just wanted that confirmation. So we did hand signals. We did nods. We did pointing at Bible. We did, you know, and I, I became convinced that he really, but what he communicated to me, he really became a believer in Christ. And when he died a few weeks later, we have every expectation he stepped into heaven. But this little lady, in spite of the hurt, in spite of the disappointment, in spite of the life and the marriage that she always wanted that she never got, she prayed every single day for this man. She prayed without ceasing. And I still remember being together with her, standing beside his casket, and her being thankful and rejoicing that she was going to see this husband again because he came to know Jesus. Pray without ceasing. We do that by just seeking him in everything. The big things like that was pretty big for her. But seeking him, Lord, is is this your will? Seeking him, Lord, are you going to bless this? Lord, thank you for that. I recognize you here. I want to just say, Lord, I see you there. And by the way, these three things all fit together in a package. So pray without ceasing. Pray without ceasing. Find somewhere in your routine, your, your moments to find a way to remind yourself. And also, when you think about life, just make it your choice that I'm going to pray every day. The great thing about these verses, you can memorize 16 and 17 
without even trying, all right? We, there's, there's only five words in two verses. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, okay? Got that. Now, lastly, we need to do this. This is the, second, the third of three things uh, that help us get our attitudes adjusted and more oriented toward God, and that's simply this. Give thanks in all things. In everything, give thanks. In everything, give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Now, he really piles it on here, doesn't he, Okay? That, 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 that we should do this. First of all, we need to acknowledge him in everything. We acknowledge him in everything because we say thank you. Thank you for this. Thank you for that. Thank you for the things he's, he's done. Uh, I've, I've got a new chair this morning. And that's not a big thing to you, but it's a big thing to me. Because I, I'm having trouble standing for as long as I'd like to. So I, I've adopted, at least in this service, this position. Uh, Julie and I have looked at various very stores and that sort of thing. We couldn't find one that either fit me or I fit it or however that works. And, uh, and we'd been to all these places, couldn't find, went online, couldn't find anything. And I just said, Lord, help me find a chair. Tuesday, Joe and I went across, there's a little place across the street here, went across there, not thinking they'd have one. There was one sitting there. It was blue, not black. I didn't want blue, but it, was, it fit, it worked. And we talked to these folks, said, well, this was Tuesday. They said, well, we can have it for you by Thursday. That does not happen in today's world. And Thursday, it was sitting here for me to use. That's a small thing. Forgive me for getting personal. But you know what? Pray about it. Seek him. And then say, thank you, Lord, that you stuck my place, myself in the place where there was a chair that works. And I'm really enjoying it. Thank you for that. So pray about everything. Thank him about everything. And he says, so we acknowledge him in everything. And then we accept that this is his will. You see it there in the end of the verse. This is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Oftentimes we say, Pastor, I need to find the will of God. Or we say to, to somebody else, I'm, I, what is God's will for my life? Well, that is a big and expansive question. But right here, there is no doubt that it is God's will that we say thank you to him. All right? So we've already had an example. We've already had a story. Let's have some practice you ready to get out on the field, get your, get your athletic shoes on, and you want some practice? I'll put a whistle around my neck. I'm not really going to do that. But notice it says, in everything give thanks. When you get a nice chair to sit in, it's easy to say thank you. Okay? That was, that was easy. That was small, low-level low stuff. But notice that in everything means even when you can't find the chair to sit in. Even when you don't have what you think you need. Even when life hurts. When life is just downright rotten in our, our point of view, we still need to give thanks. In everything, give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. I want to just give you a, a practice run. I want you to think of two difficult things in your life and, and put them on the screen of your mind, okay? Two difficult things in life. Something that if you had the magic formula, you would just extract from your life, okay? Just what, what is it? What's something that it might be small, might be big, might be long term, might be just as of today. It might be, you know, just something that, that, that it just pops into your mind. But think of two things that you would really not like to have in life. You're not really enjoying in life, okay? And I'm not meaning to depress you. This is practice, okay? Now here's what I want you to do. We're going to do all three of these things, actually. We're going to choose to see that God is in this. Somehow, God is in this. You know, spring is in the winter, all right? Eternity is in life. We just had that, those lyrics a moment ago. So we're going to choose joy. We're going to pray about it. We're going to express this back to God because we're to pray without ceasing. 
But in that prayer, we're going to offer a prayer of thanksgiving. And even if you have no ghost of a guess what God is doing in allowing that thing in your life, we're going to say thank you anyway. At least on this level. At least, Lord, you know what that's about. You know what I can stand and what's beyond my ability. You've somehow limited it. And, Lord, I would pray, even as I give thanks, that maybe you'll reveal it and use it in your life. But I want to, even without knowing, with even without having it removed, I want to say thank you for that thing in life. You got at least two. Some of you got a longer list, I know. But whatever it is, say thank you. Now, we're not going to bow our heads. We're not going to close our eyes. We're not going to have a time of prayer. But in the privacy of your own heart, just give it a try. Lord, thank you for that. I don't have to understand to say thank you. I just have to believe, and I'm going to rejoice in this, that you're in the mix. And I'm talking to you right now. I'm trying to pray without ceasing. I'm trying to have my attitude in the right place. And I want to say thank you, even for those difficult things, because you understand the why. You understand how it fits. You are more than sufficient to strengthen me. You're more, you're more than sufficient to change the situation, if you would will. But if that's not your will, you can sustain me through it. Let's have some practice to say and thank you, even for those things we wouldn't choose. I want to go back to the, the, to the example of just a moment ago as we conclude. That story of Paul before the Philippian jailer, maybe the thing in your life that's really needing to change your attitude is come to know Jesus as your Savior. Uh, these verses were written to believers in Christ in the city of Thessalonica in that church. And we say them to people in church, but if you happen to be with us or you happen to be listening in this morning that you've never trusted him as Savior, it's as simple as this. And I quote from Paul. I quote from Scripture. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the answer. He is the one. Turn to him. If we could help you in understanding what that decision means, let us know. We'll have that conversation with you. But don't put off trusting in Christ. Believer, let's adjust our attitudes and bring them into alignment with him. Thank you for joining us for Living the Word today. We appreciate your sharing in this study of the scriptures. And thanks, too, for your prayers and for letting others know of this ministry as we seek to be living the Word today. We would love to have your feedback and to hear from you. And the best way to contact us is through our website, livingthewordtoday.com. Until next time, may His blessing be yours.